Welcome back to Get to the Point. Joe DeLeon here in the wonderful Ranger studio. And joining me on the line is Sean Anderson in the very overrated state of Virginia. And Sean is actually coming off of a high from the somehow unlikely win from the Washington Capitals at the beginning of the year. Nobody was really expecting it. But how was that experience for you, Sean? You know what, Joe? I was going to wish you a happy birthday today. <laughs> with your statement about Virginia and your statement about the Capitals, I'm uh, just going to say it's a normal Tuesday. Oh, come on. I just wanted to give you a hard time. <laughs> I mean, you know me. I can't let you be happy for too long. That's the kind of way that I, I, I work with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, the, the Capitals win was, was absolutely incredible. I was... Uh, fortunate enough to go down to uh dc with a with a really good group and be able to watch it live with the with the whole streets um filled to the brim i mean it was incredible it was an awesome experience how long did that stuff last that must have been like the streets must have been on fire because i can't even remember the last time a washington team was really in within a championship i think it's probably been at least 10 years well it was 26 years since their the uh, dc team won a championship wow and then, um, and it was, uh, it, we were out there from about 7 p.m. to about, I think uh, we got home about 12.30. Oh, okay. That, I mean, it's still pretty, that's still pretty late. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was really, I mean, I was kind of uh, proud of the, the people D.C. to be able to, you know, not riot. Like, there was nothing on fire. No one was knocking over trash cans. It was just a true moment of celebration. You know, it's not like a, a New York team one or like a, a Philly team one where the whole stadium and the whole city is getting looted and it's just riots. Well, to be no. fair, the the New York teams are typically used to winning, so they're they're not usually the ones to go nuts. But I, honestly, in my opinion, I thought that you guys were going to go absolutely crazy considering that it's not like Cleveland that had this huge drought and those people, those fans aren't really, I feel like, as crazy. They were hyped that they won when the Cavs won. But I just feel like the, you know, the Washington Capitals and being in Washington is just a very, you know, tough area as far as like, you know, just because considering you're the one of the few people that I know from Washington, like it's just overall is like a very like gritty love sports kind of thing. Love hockey because of how tough of a sport it is. I kind of figured there'd be a couple people that go a little too nuts. Well, you're a little wrong because in Washington, D.C., there's a lot of uh, playoff fans because yeah. we make the playoffs so much. But during the regular season, there's a lot of there are a lot of blue blue chip mm-hmm. type fans, but mostly during the playoffs is when the fans show up when they're relevant. It's a lot of uh, posers and and all that. But it, it, you know, it doesn't bother me because it was a really fun night. I'm just glad the city finally got a big win. Yeah, certainly a very big moment for the city of Washington D.C. and also the whole area of Virginia, Maryland, the whole D.M.V. But we're gonna keep moving on, but. The one thing I would like to give Sean a little bit of a shout-out, he has been working with the Maryland Sports Blog, and he recently got his first article published. Have you had any published since, besides the first one? Oh, no, I should have one coming out pretty soon this pretty soon this week. Okay. Uh, so uh, it'll probably still be Nationals-related, because I'm on the uh, the, baseball t- the, the baseball group gotcha. here for what I'm writing for. Yeah, the first article is going to be on Sean's Twitter. It's worth a read. It's a very good read. Um, you know, I was really happy for you when I saw that you got that out there. It's honestly a big day once you're – your stuff gets published. I'm still yet to get my stuff published on a major site. You know, like again, awesome day for you. Uh, it makes all it makes us all look better. <laughs> no, it, it does make us look better seeing you actually working with the Newport Goals. Also, yep. that's, that's your little that's your internship that you got working. Also, isn't it? Yeah, I'm uh, doing their media stuff. I'm doing some social media, and I uh, 
Actually, yesterday I got to be in the booth. I was doing around the league scores. It, it didn't go as great as I hoped, but still had a fun time. Actually, uh, next week, uh, you remember Jack we did uh, the hockey game with? Jack I do Romero? Jack. Yeah, he's doing uh, play-by-play for a team that's coming up, so he's going to be doing color for that game. So I'm probably going to be in the booth for that just to get that you know, that URI interaction going on. Right. But we'll we'll get into some sports points as we're as much as we'd love to talk about ourselves the whole time. The uh, most obvious point of discussion that's going to be talked about over the next few weeks, and if you don't know, you must be living under a rock, but the Golden State Warriors beat the Cleveland Cavaliers again, yet again, and honestly it was pretty much expected for the most part. There were some crazy people out there that Hoped for the Cavs to win. I was I being one of them, but getting swept four to nothing. Really a very uneventful for the most part, except for some pretty dumb plays that occurred here and there for the Cavs. But now comes the real debate in which everybody wants to know what is going to happen with LeBron. The last time LeBron got frustrated with the Cavaliers and their lack of ability to finish, he ended up leaving and going to play for the Miami Heat. Now, LeBron's not the same age as he was, and he's not in the same point of his career, but he is obviously still the same player. He's still very good, and if not, he might be better than he was earlier on and at that point when he left. And everybody wants to know, is he going to stay, or is he going to move on to some of the teams that are going to be bidding for him? And, and just a little point that Sean added in from Bet Online, the odds for the teams that are going to take him, Lakers are two to one, Rockets eleven to five, Cavs seven to two, Philly seven to two, Celtics ten to one, Spurs twelve to one. Kind of sneaking their way in there after some Greg Popovich Popovich news saying he's going to try and force an interview, and then Warriors twenty to one and Clippers twenty to one. Where do you think he should land if he, if he even leaves? Okay, so obviously being a LeBron fan, I, I would like him to stay in Cleveland. But I have two spots that I think he would thrive in. One would be with the Spurs, actually. I think that is his number one destination is where he could and should go. Okay. Just from, yeah. just from a basketball standpoint, being able to work with Popovich. And okay. the second would be, not even on the list, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really? Yes. That, I, I haven't even heard that one mentioned. That's an interesting one. But the only thing with that, though, that's completely affected by if Paul George stays. And I don't think Melo's up for a contract, but I'm sure they, if they felt the need to, they would move him if Paul George left or for some reason if they didn't like the situation that was occurring with him. Um, you really think that he, he, he would be a good fit there? I do. I think I actually think that LeBron could get Paul George to stay because uh, they were but before the trade trade deadline they thought that Paul George and LeBron would be would be playing together in Cleveland but um it, it turns out I, I believe that uh that team would be able to thrive with him he gets an elite point guard back shooters on the outside a solid big man in Steven Adams and LeBron can still just take over it would be difficult for him and Russ to share the ball but I think they would be able to be okay the the only thing though that I would argue is as much as I'd love to see that happen is where would he fit, though? Because I feel like Paul George is a, more of a small forward. Carmelo's also a small forward that plays power forward. And, like, where do you put LeBron? Look, I, that that's actually the least of my worries. Because, I mean, LeBron has played every position for the Cavs. Yeah. You know? I, I, I think they could even put Paul George at the two, LeBron at the two. He, he could play any position. I think that's his, the value that he okay. can add to a team. So I think actually placing him at a position 
would be more detrimental than just letting him play with the, the role that he ends up fitting in with the team. Well, the one argument then you could make is that he'd be doing the same thing that Russell Westbrook's doing. Obviously, Russell Westbrook's the point guard there, but he has no real defined role, I feel like. I feel, it seems like that they've just tried to get him the ball in any way that they can. Like, I've seen, you know, I've seen him post up. I've seen him do different things around the court. I, do you think that there could be some type of clash if you have two different guys doing, doing similar things? I think they could clash. Uh, I'm not saying that wouldn't be possible, but if you're winning, I don't see how true clashes can happen. I don't think it would be. I don't think Russ Russell Westbrook's ego is is as big as Kobe Bryant's. I do think LeBron's ego is as big as Shaq's, but I don't think they would clash in the nature of that magnitude. Okay, so the just kind of adding to the discussion, who I think that he should go with. In my opinion, I think it has to be Philly. As much as I'd love to see him on the Spurs, I don't think Popovich can convince him now. Actually, never mind. I, I, I kind of digress on that point. I did. Popovich can convince anyone. He ended up convincing LaMarcus Aldridge to join the Spurs, and it didn't really seem like they were much of a front runner at the beginning of free agency at that time. But I think the Philadelphia 76ers is where he needs to be. He needs a guy that can handle the ball. you got Markel Fultz there. And then also you actually have two guys that can handle the ball, Ben Simmons as well. And his main struggles... In Cleveland, we're not having a dominant big man to help him out, and Joel Embiid is going to be that guy for him in Philadelphia. But ultimately with the situation, we're going to have to see what happens. This could go a million different ways, without a doubt. Oh, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, everyone likes to see their hometown hero stay and be loyal to a city, and everyone's going to give everyone flack when they leave. I mean, that's just the nature of the sports, the nature of the game. You feel like you've been burned. You feel like the person's not being loyal. But this is just so incredibly exciting to see if you know where he goes, no matter what, at least as sportscasters as ourselves. Yeah, we will definitely be following this situation extremely tightly. But now we're going to continue on to continuing our rankings that we were doing in an episode that we did two weeks ago where we broke down the top five quarterbacks of who we think will finish as the top quarterbacks of 2018. So today we're doing the same thing, but for running backs and we're talking who we believe will end up being, like I said, the guys at the end of the season, not going into the year, but rather at the end of 2018. So just to break down the rankings that Joe and, and Sean had, I don't know why I talked my talked about myself in the third person, but I had Todd Gurley, one Leonard Fournette, two Alvin Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, and then David Johnson, fifth. And Sean's rankings were David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, and Jordan Howard. So there's some crossover there with, I believe, yeah, we have three similar guys, but in some very different places. Who, in your opinion, do you think has to be on this list? That has to be in the top five, that you can't, like, imagine at the end of the season that they won't be in the discussion? Uh, Le'Veon Bell. I knew you were going to say that. Why do you it, think that? <laughs> I think he's just so valuable. I think he is instrumental to everything that the Pittsburgh Steelers will do next year uh, in their offense. Uh, he just can do it all, and I think he needs to be in the top five running backs uh, every year. He, he's proven that, and he's, he's uh, deserving of that, and I have him as number three just because I don't see the Steelers' offenses being as proficient uh, around the running backs as David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott's with the Cardinals and Cowboys. And I know that might be a little contradicting, mm-hmm. but I think that David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott are just going to torch the league next year 
more than Le'Veon Bell. Not saying that Bell will do poorly. I just think they're both going to have elite seasons. Yeah, I completely agree that it's hard to not have Le'Veon Bell on this list. I do, one thing I will say, and you touched upon it, is he's obviously going to have a good year, but at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to have the best out of this top five unit. My guy, though, in my opinion, that I think you have to include is Todd Gurley, who you spoke upon, who minus one season in which Jeff Fisher really did not know how to handle him and let him run free, he has been electric running the football. He's a unique blend of size and speed, extremely good at powering through contact, and I think for that reason that he's going to be the guy that is always going to be in that discussion over the next few years. As much as I'd love to say Ezekiel Elliott, I just think Todd Gurley does it better, and he honestly doesn't have as good of an offensive line, but that that offensive line is slowly growing and developing with some veterans here and there. Just watching him play, though, he has that strength and that capability to remain durable and to take a full season's worth of hits. But also in addition to that, over Elliott and then also over just by a slight margin of David Johnson, I think he's more of a a threat in the receiving game than you might expect. I think he's going to be getting a lot more touches, especially in an offense that is focused around helping Jared Goff get some easy throws. No, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. I think Todd Gurley is probably the most um, electric running back in the game right now. But I I, I think that David Johnson is still my clear-cut number one. I see you have him at five. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think David Johnson can literally do anything that the Cardinals need him to, and he's still very young, and he's just recovering right now. He's going to come back healthy, and David Johnson is going to have uh, an Adrian Peterson-type recovery season. The only thing I'm going to say that, and I know you hate when I talk injury, I just I feel like David Johnson has to do too much for the Cardinals. I think he's going to have a very good year, but I think at the end of the day he's going to be missing some time. They're going to have to feed him the ball 30-plus times per game if they want to stay competitive. There's a good chance that Josh Rosen has to get some playing time here and there. And with any rookie quarterback, you need to get the pressure off of him by running the ball well. And David Johnson obviously can do that, but nobody is a freak of nature in the sense that they can constantly take brutal hits and stay healthy. And not that he's had injury problems or concerns in the past. I just, as much as I'd love to see him play through the full year... He's going to be taking too many hits. Yeah, I, I definitely see your point that you have there. But, I mean, and this is just my prediction. I mean, I see David Johnson as almost a clone of uh, Adrian Peterson. And I, I'm you think more so than Leonard Fournette? Yes. Okay. I think David Johnson is, is faster and more agile than Leonard Fournette, uh, like Peterson is, or was, at, at his top level. And especially and with, the, with the the size that he plays at and the strength that he has, it's also very comparable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he has the breakaway speed. I can see David Johnson eclipsing 2,000 yards from scrimmage uh, easily this year. So from your list that you accumulated, who do you think is probably the most shocking pick that you ended up putting in there? Like something that's going to surprise people as, wait, how is he going to be in the top five? Or how did he end up being in the mix? Who do you think that's going to be? For mine, it would probably probably be Jordan Howard, just because I picked Jordan Howard at five, mm-hmm. uh, and I did not have Leonard Fournette okay. in my top five. Um, but I think Jordan Howard is going to be incredibly consistent next year, and the Bears are just keep, going to keep getting better as well. 
So I think Jordan Howard is going to be a top five, and it's rational for me, but another person looking onto it might be skeptical when they see Jordan Howard above Leonard Fournette. I honestly didn't even think to even include Jordan Howard just for whatever reason that he always kind of slips my mind as being a really high-level running back, but new offensive coordinator in Chicago, Matt Nagy, it's going to be very different from what we saw in the past, especially considering that the offense is going to be built around the very young Mitchell Trubisky. And we could see a very bright future going forward. It could be like a golf and girly type year for the Chicago Bears. But my guy that I thought that is going to turn some heads is Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette had a very good year last year. He, I believe he just barely hit the 1,000-yard mark, but he only played in 13 games, had some injury problems, and then he had some team disciplinary problems that caused him to sit one game. And ultimately, I think if you get a full year out of him, he's going to put around 1,300 yards on the ground. But the one thing, though, that's worth paying attention to is that Blake Bortles can't really be relied on 100% to be their guy. Leonard Fournette is only growing and getting better. It was his first year in the league, and he possesses, and I, I was talking about it with Todd Gurley, he has that rare blend of strength and speed, which very few guys have. And if if not in this situation, I think he's he has more speed and more strength than Todd Gurley does. No, that's a very good point that you're making about Fournette. I just I, I saw how he dominated in the postseason. But I, I, I get skeptical about second-year running backs for some reason. I feel like okay. after seeing them for one season, the coaches can game plan against them. And then the true top dogs can, can rise and just beat the game plans like Ezekiel Elliott did in his second year. Um, how Le'Veon Bell and all these guys did in their second year, even when you see them for a whole season and you know what they, they can do and what they're about. I think that uh, I haven't seen Leonard Fournette get past that yet. If he gets past that, then I could, and he still puts up the good numbers, then I could easily put him in the top five. I really like him. I like how he runs. I like how he uh, tore up Pittsburgh in the playoffs. It was awesome. I think he's a great running back. Yeah, he really turned some heads as far as how he can take over a game. And frankly, there's a good chance that that momentum continues into the 2018 season. But our next question is, who is not on your list that you think can sneak their way into the mix that could... This is almost more so than the previous question as far as shocking people. Like, you wouldn't even bother to think, like, them end up ending up in this situation as even being a top 10 running back. Maybe a guy in this situation that's also, like, maybe a sixth guy. Think of it maybe that way. Uh, I think it would be uh, Dalvin Cook. Oh, that's a good Minnesota. one. That's a good one. I think he's going to get healthy. I mean, he was playing phenomenally before he got injured last year. I think he could definitely eclipse into the top five he just has that talent he's so electric now they have a really good quarterback they they got a really good offense he can be compliment complimented by latavius murray i i can see uh dalvin cook sneaking into the uh, top five pretty easily so my guy that's going to be a bit of a shocker here and there's a very big boomer bust situation for him is marlon mack now that and Andrew Luck should be back this season, and we should see him at full strength. We have a newly boosted offensive line with, I'm completely blanking, oh, Quentin Nelson, who was recently drafted by the Colts, should be enough of an anchor for that O-line, and I'm sure they're going to run the ball behind him a lot. Marlon Mack is that lead guy in Indianapolis. There's no real other candidates that are going to push through, but 
It's also worth noting how much of an impact he can potentially have in the passing game from Andrew Luck in an offense that's probably going to be focused primarily on thrown balls. But I, I don't know. I just I, I always liked him from last season. I was hoping he'd he'd blow up, but that offensive line was absolutely abysmal, and it's very hard for anybody to break out when you have nobody blocking for you. But going forward, I think that he could potentially push into that top ten. Do you uh, do you think uh, Melvin Gordon could be another one that's capable of it? I think Melvin Gordon. He's already he's getting close to that level. I will say that much. My only issue is I I don't love the supporting cast that he has around him as far as who's blocking for him. The right. one the one thing with talking about running backs is you have to consider, and I think it's very important to do, and if you don't so, it can affect your analysis, you have to consider the people that are blocking for them. Because any good running back can obviously play well and take over games, but if nobody's blocking for them, they're not going to be able to do that day in and day out, week in, week out. Ezekiel Elliott lit up the league in his first year for a reason. He had the best offensive line blocking for him. Right, so uh, I'm not I'm not in this position to be jamming you up just for conversation yeah. standpoint. Uh, where would you put Jaji? Because I know Philly had a, a one of the top ranked offensive lines uh, of last year. Would you put him uh, as a as a sneak pick up in the top five? I was just thinking of that because I was trying to think like usually the team that has the best offensive line does end up putting out one of the best running backs. Right. The only reason why I'm going to say no to Jaji is that we've come to notice that they like to cycle their running backs. I'm I'm pretty sure LeGarrette Blunt left. I think he's with the Lions now, if I'm correct. But he is right. It is now just Jai, but then Corey Clement, and then there's another guy that I'm trying to think of that I'm completely missing. That's more of a receiving back, and I believe Darren Sproles is still there. It's like a a Patriots style committee that they have where they move guys around. It's tough for for Jai. I don't think he's going to end up getting those 25 carries a game that he's going to need in order to put out a top five season. He's going to be good. He's going to be good, but he's not going to be top five worthy. Right. I don't, I don't believe so either. J.J. is just another one of the running backs. He's kind of in the in the Mark Ingram pool with me of a running back that does not have one. I mean, he's a good running back, but he does not have one true element that could separate himself from the crowd. Completely agree with you on that one. And the final question that we're going to be talking about with our running back rankings is, is there a particular rookie running back that you think will very much so shock people and potentially force themselves, maybe not in the top five, but the top ten look of running backs. That would shock people? Yeah, because, I mean, you could talk the obvious one. I feel like everyone's quick to say Saquon, but I just don't think, I don't think these all-worldly first-year running backs always end up playing up to expectations. It usually takes them a little bit more time to get settled especially because everyone's expecting like a 2,000-yard rushing season from a guy that, you know, is just still trying to figure everything out with the NFL. All right. Uh, I, I got I, – I really – I would really, really like to say Rashad Penny, but I think Seattle is so abysmal right now. Yeah. I, I You know, I, I mentioned on the podcast before that I think Seattle is really good with running backs, but I can't see them making uh, steps forward to – to put him in the in the limelight, so I'm gonna say um, Darius Geis. Okay, good pick. How come? I think he's gonna run hard. I think he does have a pretty decent offensive line with him in, in Washington. Trent Williams will be back. Brandon Scherf will be be back. I did they retain Spencer Long? I believe I don't so. Think they, no, no, I think they cut Spencer Long, but 
They drafted a couple guys uh, on the offensive line. I think Darius Geis will be just fine. I think he's going to be a stronger Chris Thompson. I love Chris Thompson to death. Everyone in Washington does. He's a big fan favorite. He's almost but, more of a slot receiver, though, I feel like. Geis or Thompson? Thompson. Thompson is like a, a slot receiver. He's like a, he almost has Darren Sproles role mm-hmm. for um for watch for uh, yeah, Washington. But Geis, uh, I think, is going to be able to run hard, and he's still young. He's still got the fresh legs. After running behind Fournette for, for two years at LSU, I think he's going to come in uh, the league and dominate. So here's a big one that I don't think anyone's really going to be expecting. on Johnson from Auburn. He's now with the Detroit Lions. And the reason why I say that is he has that type of running style where it's just downhill, forward running. He's not really going to blow past you with his speed, but he's an SEC running back, willing to take those hits, tote the ball, game in and game out, and... That is actually a pretty sneaky good offensive line. You got Taylor Decker, who's slowly growing into a very good offensive tackle. And then, uh, is Clive War- Warford still there? He is, and they also picked up uh, Frank Ragnow. Yeah, I was going to say, they also center. drafted Frank Ragnow at the center position. And then there's one more guard that I'm completely blanking on that they recently drafted, I believe, three years ago out of Duke. Um, I, I'll get his name later, but... the. That is honestly a very sneaky good offensive line. It might not be the most developed one. There's some very young guys in that unit, but Carrion Johnson has the supporting cast to help him. He's got a good quarterback, a decent receiving core. He's got a receiving running back playing right behind him in Theo Riddick. There's a lot of mouths to feed, but Carrion Johnson, I think, will be the first one to get the ball. Joe, did you see the uh, reports that uh, that personnel are saying that Ragnow could be an all-pro? Actually, ah, oh, come. On. I feel like it's a little too early, though. I'm just saying they're saying his versatility <sighs> is insane. I would love to see it. He's a big dude. If he, he's six five, I'm pretty sure. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even play center. Right, right. He, I know he's, he's got big. the he, he's all, even got the height to play tackle, but I I think that's pretty cool. He does he does have the height, but he doesn't really have the length. That was his uh, his one concern. His, his arms aren't really that long. I don't remember right. the number off the top of my head, but I remember that it being his number one knock on his draft stock. But Matt Patricia ended up getting a guy that could be a potential steal. He could be like that Jack Conklin type player that guys before the draft started were like, he's not that special. He's just an unathletic big white guy. But come the end of the year, he's in all pro pro conversation. And Jack Conklin ended up being an all pro in his rookie season. Right. No, I'd I'd love to see it. I'd I'd love to see... Uh, Detroit uh, be able to pursue and persevere. I think they they would be. A, I want to see the NFC North is gonna be really competitive uh, this year. Oh, 100 percent. There isn't a single team there that couldn't strike for the division championship. But I'm gonna ask you one more question. What do you think of Zach Martin getting that big six year deal? Necessary. Absolutely necessary. Do you think it's worth paying? an interior lineman that kind of money and also locking him him up for that long obviously he's he's zach martin he's one of the best offensive guards in the game but do you think it's worth it all right joe i'll ask your question with another question do you value a a strong running game i do then it's worth it okay but here i'm playing devil's advocate because i do think it's worth it but do you think that it'd be better to overpay an interior lineman so he doesn't end up leaving or would it be smarter just to keep drafting young linemen and trying to develop them into what Zach Warren became because he, I think he was taken with the 16th pick 
they could have. I don't. I don't believe they had that. They had that low of a pick. But besides the point, they could have kept. And they got Connor Williams now too. They also Connor Williams could end up being having a Zach Martin type rise. Do you don't think that that's more of a better option, or you think it's better to pay? No, pay pay him. He's a top three card in the league. You need to pay those that are that are top three. That's just the the that's just the business that you have to be able to work with in the NFL. All right. Well, that is going to be it for today's episode. Always check us out on social media at GTTP Podcast, and we're on and live on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and also the podcast app. So please. Check us out. Keep listening. Subscribe. And let us know what you think. We want to keep hearing from the people. Sean is always the first person to say it. DM us your questions. If you want to give us feedback, if you think that we could do something a little bit better, if you think there's a segment that you would you would be a great idea to add. Heck, if you would love to come on the show, we would love to have the fans call in for a brief two- to five-minute conversation. We want to be a part of your, your, your fanship, basically, is what, I, what I'm going for. But... Like I said, reach out to us, follow us, be social. That is it for today's episode of Get to the Point. Tune in next week, and we should be talking about and breaking down our top five wide receivers in the NFL.